We record this show mere hours after the defeat of Proposition HH, the signature ballot proposal created by Colorado's Governor Jared Polis. Republican strategist Dick Wadhams joins me to discuss how this affects Polis's career. I'm John Caldera. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV. That stands for Independence Institute TV. Or just go to thinkfreedom.org. You're going to like this discussion. As we record this, it is the day after the night of the election where, well... Not a big surprise, Proposition H8, which went down in flames to talk about it and so many other things. Dick Wadhams, Republican strategist, du jour. Um, quickly, I wasn't all that surprised. I was surprised by the margin of the defeat of Proposition HH. I thought it would be a lot closer, but it went down by 40 points. Yes. Surprised? I was surprised by the margin as well, John. I, it really felt to me the last... Uh, two or three weeks, that it was in a steady decline. And, and, and you guys here at the Institute had really done a great job in, in, in your analysis and, and your publications in laying the groundwork for, for the public saying, no, this is not what we want. And, but it just seemed like it was all coming together at the end. But no, what, uh, those early returns, I thought, well, they, these, these can't, <laughs> this won't hold up that big. Right. And, and, but it did. And it, and it was fast. Uh, the, the language of the initiative, the reason why Gallagher was repealed two years ago was, was the fib on the shall, shall uh, it said, without raising taxes, tax rates, which was a fib. This one was even more, even more diabolical because the legislature gets to write their own ballot language. When I put something on the ballot, when any uh, citizen puts something on the ballot, it goes to the title board. They write what we read on the ballot. When the legislature gets to do this, uh, the, the legislature gets to lie. Let me put a little credit, and this sounds crazy. Kyle Clark of Channel 9 yes. gave, gave, a, gave a signal oh. to all the media and to his viewers. I agree. This is BS. Yes. Now, he didn't come out and say it, but he said, this is a lie. He said, come on, Governor, we're not stupid. I think that gave a signal not only to voters, but it also gave a signal to the Denver media. It's okay to give voters the truth about this, that this does take away your Tabor refunds. And once the media got on board, and this thing was gone, uh, Independence, Ben Murray, mm -hmm. did a lot of work, and I credit Kyle Clark, and I credit a lot of other media for telling mm -hmm. the truth on this one and giving, giving it the okay. That's why back in May, I knew this thing was a turkey. I yeah. knew this thing was going to go down, and, and I didn't worry about it. Yeah, I, I mean, do even, I have something right there? No, I think you're, I think that was one of the one of the uh, most important turning points of the debate was Kyle Clark. I yeah. agree. I think that that um, that must have shocked Governor Polis and his Democratic friends. Yeah. Um, I was, but it was other things too, John. It was uh, the the Denver Post endorsement editorial. I read that twice, and I thought, they're, they're, what are they saying? <laughs> it was the most convoluted editorial endorsing something I could ever— I mean, they were trying to justify something I don't think they wanted to even endorse, was kind of how I read it. Well, they know that they have to endorse yes. anything that's anti-Tabor. Yes. That's just— Yes. It, it hurts Tabor, 
were for it. But, and, and yet the, the endorsement by the Carter Springs and Denver Gazettes, of course, was on point, easy to understand. This is why this is a turkey. I mean, it, it, it really drives home to me the arguments were so more, much more powerful on the con side than the pro side because they, they wrote such a horrible bill. AFP Colorado, Americans mm -hmm. for Prosperity Colorado, uh, give them a lot of credit for knocking on doors and doing mm -hmm. the work. Talking to them, it was really clear People loved it when they read the ballot. Mm -hmm. Get three minutes with a, any voter to explain what it really did, and they, yeah. and they got angry. Yeah. They really got angry, not just for what it did, but for the way it treated voters. Yes. Uh, of how dare you sell us something like this. And I, yeah. and I think the underlying tone really started to, in a viral way, people got it. Yeah. The low turnout guaranteed its defeat. I, I think so, too. I think a lot of liberals probably thought this isn't even worth showing up, uh, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, but, um, but clearly, people who did show up were motivated because to vote no. Uh, and what's interesting to me, John, I looked at Jeff Cohen and Arapahoe numbers. But I'm sure you yeah, did. Yeah, I did, too. That was, those and were the I, two counties. And I once once I saw those go down there, game's over. Exactly. And what I, what's interesting to me is that means a whole bunch of these unaffiliated voters and people who just hate Republicans— and have voted against Republicans because they can't stand Trump. They said we're not we we are not going to vote for this, and and it tells me that this state, and that you and I have talked about this many times, and I've been hopeful that this was the case, and I think I this is another indication of it. This state is still right of center in terms of fiscal and and tax issues and economic issues, and if we can ever get past the stench of Donald Trump impacting every Republican candidate. That we can we can be competitive again with with Republican candidates who can talk about the issues and not about Donald Trump, and so I, I mean over I think that was a, a significant event last night as well. So. All right, so we're recording this and it's the morning of. All right, you, right. we can't get any more fresh than this. Mm -hmm. When people hear this, there'll be other news. Mm -hmm. How significant was it that the governor was not just out of town last night? <laughs> He was out of the state. Where was he? He was allegedly in Wyoming. <laughs> allegedly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard uh, on the on the TV last night. That um, there's some kind of a National Governors Association event in Wyoming, and it very well could be true. I mean, um, but to me, that tells me he knew he was not going to win this thing, because you know, you and I both know, if he thought he was going to win a big victory last night, he would have been here accepting the accolades and and the TV cameras. So he had a good excuse to get out this, of town. This was his yes. bill. Yes. He had he had to sign yes. this. Yes. Unlike other referred measures. Yes. He had to sign this, Senate Bill 303, for all of this silliness to happen. And it was his. He came out, he had two years to come up with a replacement yes. with uh, to Gallagher's repeal. And he waited to the very end, and this was all him. This was he and, and Steve uh, Fenberg, uh, Fenberg yeah. the, the president of the Senate. And he's out of the state. And by the way, Fenberg wasn't around last night either. He didn't show up at the pro-HH rally, and he would not return, I'm told, or I heard, that he would not return uh, calls from the media last night. All right, so after you and I are finished chatting, there's got to be a statement from, from the governor's yes. office. You can't, you can't have an embarrassment no. like this. He, he did put out a statement that I.I. passed, which, of course, <laughs> it did. This was, you know... Can we have more of your tax money for, for cigarettes? Yeah. yeah. Of course I was going to pass. 
The governor, in my mind, will, must, absolutely will call a special session. Does he? Oh, he has to. I mean, I mean, John, what's the alternative? Just letting the, the 40% increase in property taxes occur? I mean, they run the state. They will pay dearly if they let that happen. It almost would be good for us. I don't want to pay 40% of my property taxes. But you know what? If it would mean uh, uh, politically damaging them, let it, let it go through. I remember last yeah, May. That was a very cruel statement. Yes, right it was. The last May, John, when they rammed this through at the last minute in the dark of night, remember thinking this really shows how arrogant Jared Polis and his Democratic majorities are. They think that these Democratic majorities are forever. They're permanent. They're, it's like enshrined in the Constitution that Democrats shall always run Colorado. They got a big dose of reality last night. And if they don't know that this this actually, if they can't see that that um, that uh, they they've got to rethink their arrogance, I think they are they are they're whistling past the graveyard, as they say. Let's keep going with Jared Polis. Sure, I, I think you're right. I, there'll be a press conference. He's mm -hmm. got to face the music on this. Mm -hmm. But it's more than than just this one issue. Mm -hmm. A few years back. He was a proponent of, of Prop CC, mm -hmm. which did the same sort of thing, yes. but in a much more honest way. Mm -hmm. He lost, and he can say, hey, I was just a proponent. It wasn't my thing. You know, we listened to the people. This was his. <laughs> yes. All right, this was his thing. It was his name. Yes. He was out in front. He did the debates. He did the commercials. He owns this. How big of a defeat is this for Jared, what what damage does it do? What what does it mean for him as the governor, as a national uh, nationally held Democrat, as a guy who keeps getting whispered for? You know, if Biden doesn't actually run, he might be one of the guys who could run for president. What does it mean? There were so many national stories last night, John. I don't think it got the national attention it deserved in terms of just looking at the national coverage this morning. But I think overall, this hurts him badly. Um, had it lost narrowly, okay, you could build a case. It was a hard-fought campaign. Uh, both sides made their big case, their, their cases. They spent a lot of money, but uh, you know the, he fell short. He got walloped last night, sixty by by, by more than twenty points. That that is that is a rejection. That is that is the voters of Colorado saying. You are dead wrong on this, Governor, and we don't trust you on this issue right now. I think that that greatly weakens him. I think it also greatly weakens those massive majorities in the legislature. And like I say, I mean, if we could ever get past this Trump thing, John, and nominate candidates who will talk about the issues like that, we we could actually w win some legislative races next year. Um, but it all depends on what the climate is and, and what um, what kind of candidates we nominate. So we'll see. I think, I think, I hope, this is a hopeful thing. Yeah. It was a small turnout election. People's memories are fickle. Mm -hmm. Those who follow this, and what really got me, and I, I knew this thing was dead mm -hmm. right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Again, the, the moment Kyle Clark said, <laughs> Governor, we're not stupid. Yes. It was dead. When I looked at the back and forth on Nextdoor, the, the app. Mm -hmm. When I looked on Reddit and read people on the, the subreddit for Denver, and they were trashing it, not, not because they, they love Tabor, 
but they were trashing it because it lied, because it was bad for renters. It was, oh, those evil landlords get a break, but we don't. It, it was really amazing how well those people who would vote were tuned into it. Yes. That really, that really surprised me. And so it, it, was, it was obvious. Does that stick? My question is, does, do they learn, wait a second, the same people who wrote that diabolically lying falsehood that you caught on to, they're the same ones who are doing all the other economic damage to the state. Does that click that it's not just the governor, it's the whole machinery down there that's making life so inexpensive here in Colorado? People are feeling it. You can't go out for lunch without paying 50 bucks mm -hmm. for a sit-down lunch. You know, the, the economic pain in Colorado, the crime in Denver, it's all connected. And I don't know if, if the switch has been turned and if HH is the turning point yet for people to go, oh, now I get it. These people have gone too far. I think it could, John. I, I, I mean, I, we, I guess we don't know for sure. But, but I, think it, I think it could because I think all these things are coming to a head. Crime, homelessness, inflation, um, uh, now this, this property tax issue, uh, HH, I think it is coming to a head. And, but I hate to keep coming back to it, but once again, it won't make any difference at all. If, 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 frankly, if Donald Trump is our nominee next year, he might be competitive in a bunch of states outside Colorado. He is not competitive here. And that will, that will obscure any ability for us to take advantage of, of these issues that you let mentioned. Let me push on that because let me, okay. let me do my job. All right. You are so wrong on that, people are going to say, because he, the election was stolen. It was stolen here. <laughs> it was stolen every place. Uh, yeah. All right. And, um, uh, and therefore, there, he can win here. You know, my, oh, I understand. All right. you know, he, can't, he can <laughs> win here. I understand. And um, we just need to have clean elections. And if we had really clean elections, we're going to find that Trump-like candidates will win here. That's, you're, you're, you're just wrong. Yes. So, so put a little meat on your assertion. That if Trump is a nominee, Republicans can't win here. The, the trouble, John, is that these new, these newcomers who came to Colorado in the last uh, dozen years, uh, 800,000 of them, and they're largely younger, they're more liberal in their social attitudes. Uh, I've always felt like they were more conservative on, on um, uh, fiscal and economic issues than, uh, than what we, we think. Um, the, these are the people that despise Donald Trump, and it's reflected in the returns for the last three election cycles. But I think, I think last night's results show that in, in, uh, in Jeffco and Arapahoe, when, when you lose those two counties by 20 points, so that's more than just Republicans voting against you. That's a bunch of unaffiliated voters and some Democrats. Um, and then even in Denver County, did you, it only carried, HH only carried Denver County by like 55, 45. All right. And that is, think about this. Democratic candidates were winning Denver County by 85%. Uh, in this last election. So how uh, something happened last night where people finally said, no, um, we're never going to carry Denver County again. But you know what? I, the margin, I think, uh, could be much lower than, it, than it's been. So um, I think this is finally the opportunity for some of these voters who have instinctively voted against Republican candidates to say, you know what? Um, I think we need to rethink this. 
but not if they think a bunch of um, of uh, election denying Republicans who are still clinging to Donald Trump as their hero are the nominees. If that happens, we we will nothing will come of what we saw last night. Nothing. You're right. <laughs> if Trump is on the ballot, remember the turnout a couple of years ago was massive. Yes. Um, the 2020 turnout was massive. Yes. And it was all about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Turn your eyes uh, to, I think it was Ohio, uh-huh. a constitutional amendment protecting yes. abortion rights won, and this was, yeah. a, I believe it was a citizen's initiative. I mm-hmm. don't think it was referred. That's right. And so still, that issue, you know, three years later, is still remarkably hot. And that's still going to be a big issue. There could be an initiative in 2024 on the Colorado ballot to put constitutional protections for abortion in Colorado. That'll be another big driver, whether or not Trump is on the ballot. Right. So, you know, presidential elections are still going to bring, bring folks out. And if that's on the ballot, that's going to be a big driver, and it's going to hurt Republicans in 2024, with or without, without Trump. So you've, you've got that issue, which mm-hmm. is also a huge driver it is. against Republicans in this state. This is, you know, this is, this is not a pro-choice no. state. This is becoming a pro-abortion state. Yeah. You know, um, when you have the governor signing a bill that outlaws the abortion reversal <laughs> pill. For people who don't know, yes. you can take an abortion pill. It's a two-pill thing. If you change your mind after the first pill, there's a reversal pill, right. which is now illegal. So it's not Republicans that are up in women's uteruses. It's Democrats who are taking away your choice, which is really bizarre. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Mm. <laughs> I agree with you. Let, let's widen this a little bit yeah. to, to, to next year, and then I want to go back to okay. some other races. Um, By the way, the other abortion initiative that might be on the ballot next year is to repeal the public funding of abortion ban. I think I, I, I think the Democrats are toying around with that, of course. And that was passed initially in 1984. It's been on the books forever. And uh, they might be going after – I think they, they would be playing with a little bit of fire if they put that on the ballot. Because I think even pro-choice people instinctively don't want public funds for abortion. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But um, it's been – this will be the first time since it passed in – well, they tried to repeal it in 88 and failed. And so um, – uh, I think that could be a, a stretch too far, but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe not. This Maybe state, this state has changed. Yeah, you pro, you, well, We're old men. And, and John, I love your characterization. We are now a pro-abortion state. We're not pro-choice. We're pro-abortion. I think, I think you're right about that. I hate that. I don't. I, I still hold to my mm-hmm. suspicion. Mm-hmm. Biden is not going to be a, the nominee. Mm-hmm. I don't see. I can't say the same thing about Trump right now. I know, I know. Make it, make it, you're you're more tuned into that world yeah. than I am. By the way, I mean, I, this past weekend when the New York Times came out with that poll of the six, yep. that I think that w- that will be seen as for those who are not following. Yeah, the there's a poll now that shows Trump leading Biden in the head to head, but also in the six sing, uh, swing states, yeah. which is something that I've been saying for a while. Yeah. In a head to head with Biden, I think Trump wins wins a, a rematch. Yeah, he's winning five of the six swing states that elected Biden to begin with. Right. And 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 a couple of those states, Biden, is it's beyond the margin of error. I mean, right. Trump has big leads. Um, I think if I, if I were a Democrat, I think I'd look at that and I'd say, we've got to get rid of this guy. Somehow we have got to find another. Because it also shows 
that other Democrats would actually be leading Trump in those states if Trump is not our nominee, um, or if Trump is our nominee. Um, so I, th I think that more and more you're going to see them. And then you have uh, Axelrod talking about how we need, that they need to get rid of Biden. I think you're going to start seeing this more and more. Uh, people like Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, I think in the background are, are going, I'm a hell of a much better candidate than this guy we've got in there. We need to get rid of him. Then she wants to run, of course. I think there's more turmoil in the Democratic Party right now than you and I appreciate. And we, now you have, yeah. uh, I'm blanking out on his name, who's already an announced candidate as... Uh, yeah, um, the guy uh, from Minnesota. You're supposed to know these names better than I'm supposed to. Stop being What's old. What's his name? What's his name? Yeah, you're anyway, right. Anyway, the and Democrats so, can't even tell you who it is. <laughs> and so if these polls continue, yeah. you're going to start seeing then more open Yes. challenges. And so if Gretchen Whitmore goes in and somebody yes. else goes in, then all of a sudden Katie barred the door. And Gavin Newsom in California, right. he's all but running right now. Right. Um, no, I think I think you're going to start seeing that. And um, I think Democrats are going to have to come to grips with the fact they've got a loser there. And they've, they've also got to come to grips. I mean, John, watching Biden is painful. He is not, he is not, Cap he is not physically capable of being president, and I, I question whether he's mentally capable of being president. I really do. And All right, not, so play this right. out for me. Yeah. A few more people throw their hat in into the ring. Mm -hmm. At mm -hmm. some point, uh, mm -hmm. Biden gets reality, mm -hmm. steps out, and then they have an actual open race there. Republicans do what? Well, you know, Trump isn't leaving, no, no matter what. And like in 2016, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the left is turning him into the nominee, yeah. which is the more they prosecute him, the, the more legal action against him. They're just keeping yes. him in the news. They're making him a martyr. Yeah. It helps him become the, uh, the primary candidate, which might work against yeah. Gretchen Whitmore. Uh, I don't know. There's I, only I, one way to, to topple Trump. And, that I, and I've felt this all along. That is, if someone can, can run close enough to him that even if he wins Iowa, it will be seen as a defeat because it's not some 50-point 50 50 victory. That somebody can uh, stay within 10 points of him, which would be seen as a defeat. And then that person goes on to New Hampshire and South Carolina and actually beats him. Right now, DeSant it's now a three-person race. you got DeSantis, Governor DeSantis of Florida, and former Governor Nikki Haley of South Carolina. They are the two potential challengers to Trump. They're now engaged in their own little kind of mini primary right. that's going on. Um, I don't care which one. We, I, I like them both. I'd be fine with either one of them. But somebody's got to, to make a run at Trump in Iowa so that they're credible to go on to New, Ham New Hampshire and then, uh, and then actually Nevada and then South Carolina. Um, I, and if it doesn't happen in, in, in Iowa, John, I don't think it's going to happen. We're stuck with Trump at that point. And that's the sad thing. Um, but uh, but his his base is not going to leave him. They're going to stick with him. So, Even if he's behind bars, I you know I don't think he'll ever go to jail. Even if he's convicted, I and frankly I don't want him to go to jail. I I don't think that's a good look to jail a former president. Even and uh, even somebody even somebody as reprehensible as Trump is, I I just don't think that's a good look. That's not our society. I don't know. Well, they're opening up a door now that this is. This is standard fare. Yeah. Whoever the next president is, that's I what's going to happen. And step I back it. For it. it. It is, uh, it's a bad look. All right, bring it back to Colorado. All right. Um, 
Mike Kaufman won re-election yeah, yeah. for what will be his last term as... Actually, uh, he can run again. They have a, th- a three-term limit in, in Aurora. Really? He actually could run for a third term after this one. Yeah. Anyway. I think the demographics there change so much. I think yeah. it's it's getting harder and harder yeah. for him to win win yeah. that, that race. Um, give me give me your take on his his election. You know, Mike, we haven't. There's nobody comparable to Mike. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, look what he did three years ago on the streets of Denver uh, with the homeless right. thing. I mean, where, wherever two or more Aurorans are gathered, Mike is there. I mean, the guy is uh, is is unbelievable. Um, and he, I think he has a lot of goodwill from his days in Congress, even though he lost, I think. And, and, um, and the way he works the minority communities. I mean, you know, there is not an ethnic festival or celebration that he doesn't go to. I mean, he's got such deep uh, uh, roots. Uh, I think I don't yeah, – but you're right about the demographics. They, th- that's changing by the day almost. But Mike is an extraordinary person, and probably nobody could have held on to that to see like, like he has. There is so. no harder working no. man in <laughs> no. show business no. than Mike Kaufman. No. Which is amazing because um, he doesn't have the natural uh, politician skill. Yeah. You, you, you think of Ed Perlmutter or, or Scott McGinnis, mm-hmm. those, those kind of guys who have that, uh, you know, the, that Irish politician, how you doing? And they just, mm-hmm. who just feed off of, um, uh, off of going and talking to crowds and talking to people and hanging out in the supermarket. And you can just see that they're, yeah. they're extroverts and they just love it. I've never gotten a sense yeah. of that. And I've been friends with, with yeah. Coffin for a long time. He does it and it's, it's pure discipline because he loves serving yes. the community. And that's part of serving the community. But you know, John, when he came, when he did that homeless thing that uh, slept on the streets yep. for a week, I remember thinking he had the most extraordinary analysis of homelessness and what yep. the that I had never heard anybody do before. And it really it crystallized for me. Not that I had, I hadn't studied homelessness. The, the the difference be, the differences between those who were on the streets. And it crystallizes some categories of the people who yeah. are there between yeah. between the alcoholics, those yes. who are drug addicted, and those who who are mentally ill. Yeah, I thought he uh, he did an immense public service. I think by doing that, it was more than just the courage to do it. It was the conclusions he reached, and really showing these people are beyond hope. These people really need our help. These people we need to do. I mean, and and his whole crystallization of of um, uh, the housing first versus treatment first. That whole debate, which I think that's why Mike Johnston, who I like very much, and I know you do too, but I think it's going to fail. Yep. Because uh, you know, I I don't think that it's not going to work. And Mike really crystallized that. The rest of anything else from last night that really popped out to you? I, the the school boards kind of went oh, up wow. and down and yeah. up and down, and depending where you were, down in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, they really went to reform uh, mm-hmm. uh, boards yeah. uh, up in Woodland Park. It seemed to go in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what do you make it of all? Of, well, of and, and, and DPS. I mean, uh, look what happened. Uh, uh, three reformers, um, uh, one in uh, in Denver, apparently. And, you know, I got to hand it to Mike Johnston. Um, uh, he, he didn't have to get involved in that Denver public school uh, board race, and he did. And I think that ad they put up was very effective where he – endorsed three of the, the people, and they won. They all three won. And I, I think that's to his credit. Um, 
But uh, Denver public schools are still horrible, and uh, that's not a majority, uh, the three right. new ones. But uh, I think that was significant. So. Will it change anything? Not, not immediately, but at least there will be other voices on that board that are not crazy and that are not re- irresponsible and are actually uh, make the schools worse. And so I think it will change some of the tenor of the, of the school board. So. Let me take one in my hometown of Boulder, mm-hmm. which was Citizens Initiative, which was 302. Mm-hmm. This is an odd little one to come out of all places, Boulder. <laughs> but it was to keep homeless from putting up tents <laughs> close to sidewalks and paths. They did it uh, taking a look at propane tanks ah. and saying you can't have propane tanks next to schools or sidewalks because they're dangerous and keeping uh, them away from schools and mm-hmm. keeping them away from sidewalks. It was something that said, city council, since you're not doing anything about these encampments, we the people are going to do something about, about it. And it passed overwhelmingly. Did it really? I had not heard that. In yeah. Boulder. Wow. Because wow. Boulderites have seen their beautiful city mm-hmm. become uh, uh, trashed by by the fentanyl-fueled yeah. uh, criminals that Denver's seeing mm-hmm. and seeing the violence and seeing the assaults and seeing the crime. And they're worried about particularly their kids. And uh, this, it, they called it something, safe something, but it was, it passed overwhelmingly. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and it kind of goes back to our earlier discussion, John. I think something is going on in Colorado right now that could we could see at the ballot box in 2024 and beyond. Um, I mean, that's remarkable when people, when, when Boulderites do that. Right. So, yeah. It means, yeah, I, I agree. On the issues. Yes. All right. Yes. I'll go back to what I said years ago. Things have changed. The Republican Party in Colorado is no more. I agree. It, it, it totally. does not exist. And when I hear people say, what are we going to do to fix the party? I want to, you know. I've already, years ago, eight years ago, I already went through my grieving stages for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. You know, Kubler-Roth, five stages, you mm-hmm. know, anger, denial, all right. the rest. And so people are still doing that now. What are we going to do to fix the party? There is no party. In eight years, we might have a party. Uh, there are certain things we have to accept. This is a pro-choice, pro-abortion state. This is. is a pro-weed state. Mm-hmm. That's not going going to change. This is a, uh, a pro-LGB uh, state. That's not going to change. This is a pro-environmental state. It is. These things are, are set. If you want to change any of those, you will be unsuccessful. I agree. I agree. All right. But I am not at all convinced that this is a pro-tax state. No. I am not convinced that this is a um, um, uh, pro-regulation state. This is not a pro-crime state, no. and I don't believe this is a pro-woke state. No. That is a whole different thing. Yes. And so you can still protect the environment and have your gas stove. Yes. You can still um, uh, uh, protect abortion rights and, and still keep taxes low. Mm-hmm. There is a path here. I agree. To bring back... I won't use the word libertarian because that people get freaked out by mm-hmm. that word. But there is a path here, and Colorado could become one of the first post-Republican states. I love it. Yeah. And 
but we got to think in a, in a brand new way. Yeah. And defeat of HH is yet another mm-hmm. example of that happening. Yeah. I will say, although I don't see him in the mold of what I'm talking about, the fact that we have an unaffiliated mayor of Colorado Springs mm-hmm. is another example of people yes. are open to the idea of someone who's not a Republican. Yeah. Yeah, and John, I think it, it, it also relates to this whole debate about unaffiliated voters voting in the primary. The, the people within the Republican Party right now that, oh, we can't have them voting in our primary. We need to keep our process pure. The only way we're going to get competitive is if we open ourselves to the 48% of the electorate that registers unaffiliated. And it goes to what your, your point is. These people are more liberal on the issues you, you pointed out. But until we find, and and the only way to communicate with them is to hopefully invite them into the Republican nomination process because that still exists. And I just don't, I don't understand this thinking that, um, oh, we can't, we we can't prostitute our process by allowing non-Republicans to participate. Well, there's only 25% of us now. There aren't many of us around. I am no longer a Republican. I know you're not. Yeah, I know. A lot of my friends have disaffiliated. Well, I live in Boulder. What reason is there to be a Republican? There's no Republican primary. Right. There's no Uh reason to be. So I I think it it goes to your point. I think we have got to look at the state in a different way than we ever had before. Um, Because there will be some entity that's called the Republican Party. We still are going to be nominating people, I think, um, uh, on a partisan basis. And the only way we do that is by nominating candidates that recognize this reality. So, Or... Or it goes the other way. Well. And the other way is that the Republican Party does what the Libertarian Party mm-hmm. did and, or the Constitution mm-hmm. Party, and they close their nomination, and they make it into a minority party. Yes. There you and, go. And, and, <laughs> and if it does, okay. You know, and then, you know, uh, at which point it frees other people to either create a new party or to run as unaffiliated, yeah. And you know, the, how to put this? Party doesn't matter. Policy matters. I think we get so strung up on the idea of party right. because we were raised that way. Yeah. And we we have this loyalty to party. Yeah. But party is a is a way to get to policy. Exactly. You There's know, no doubt about you know, it. Yeah. We, we elect these people. Why? Because we want Republican rule. Who cares about Republican yeah. rule? The idea is that we that is a step to pass the bills right. that we need to get there. You know, um, we, we have Bernie Sanders. He's not a Democrat. <laughs> no. you know, mm. We can have people who caucus with the Republicans. Mm-hmm. We just need them to win. Yeah. You know, so I'm... I am not afraid of the Republican Party collapsing. I understand what you're saying. I understand. And frankly, it is collapsing in front of our very eyes. And it's going to continue that way. Um, I hate hate to say it. And that's ironic because we have so many other positive indicators. Colorado could be returning to more a more competitive issue situation and and policy situation. So we'll see. We throw one more at you. Yeah. So we have all this dynamics on the Republicans. We love to talk about Republicans. Yeah, it's meaningless in Colorado. There is no Republican right. Party. Flip on the other side, the supermajority party that could fix 
the property tax mm -hmm. issue, with a wave of their hand, mm -hmm. they have all the powers. They own the courts. They own the executive branch. They own the legislative branch. The supermajority. They have everything. We still always talk about Republicans. Yeah. The media still likes to talk about Republicans, mm -hmm. even though we have no power. <laughs> the fissures that are happening inside the Socialist Party, I mean the Democratic Party, with the Socialists on one side and then the crazy right. progressives, are starting to... They really to, are. And the Israeli war mm -hmm. is breaking it apart even faster. Yes. Yes. So the dysfunction, we keep loving to talk about it on the conservative side, the dysfunction on the left. Talk to me about that. You know, at the end of the legislative session, I remember, remember the allegedly moderate uh, rural Democratic Speaker of the House uh, from Glenwood Springs. Uh, she was such a moderate, and I remember thinking, I don't believe it. Remember she apologized to the Democratic Socialists and the Democratic Caucus in the House for not yeah. listening to them more earnestly. And I'm thinking, well, here we go, sucking up to, what, five members right now? But there, there are more of them all the time. It just, it just shows you that that far left of the Democratic Party, they're, they're running the joint right now. They really are moving the party left. The special session coming up, John, you know it, it's not going to be a tidy little process. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of, I mean, some of the Democratic Socialists won't want to do anything about property taxes. Because they love taxes. <laughs> so, uh, they do nothing, they get more money. So that could, that could be a lot of fun, this special session, if that's what occurs. But the dysfunction is now their dysfunction. Yes. yes. You know, for so many years, we saw the fight between Republicans and rhinos. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing the dysfunction between socialists yes. and just plain old progressives. Yeah, yeah and it's going to get worse. Uh, uh, after this uh, election, there will be more... There will be more um, uh, Democrats uh, who are Democratic Socialists getting elected to the legislature. We saw, we're seeing it in the Denver City Council. Uh, I saw the headline today in the Fort Collins, Coloradoan, that more progressives are, are, are dominating the Fort Collins City Council. You're seeing it everywhere. Um, so th th that is going to be more and more of a reality that uh, is going to be fun to watch. Because we've had our problems, as, as you know. Any other predictions? Um, Next year, I th uh, right now, uh, I, I, ho I hope that I hope a year from now we're celebrating the election of a Republican president not named Trump. I hope that's what we're doing. By the end of this year, will Mike Johnson have housed a thousand homeless? It won't make any difference. I mean, they will come up with some definition that they have, uh, or or, or that they'll build a case where we almost made it, or or. You know, John, I, I agree with you. I've heard you talk about this, too, that it's hard not to like Mike Johnston. He is a good man, but he's just wrong on this. I mean, and, and, and he's going to—Denver is going to be like a magnet for, more, for home, more homeless when they find out that they can get a free house or a free whatever. Um, it's not going to deal with the problem. What they're going to do so. is they're, they're going to look at the definition of what is— housing yeah. somebody, yes. and it's going to be a two-week period. Right. And yes, yeah. we've been able to put people into transitional yeah. housing for three days, two weeks, whatever, yeah. and we've milled people around over a 1,000 of them mm. through this program. Yeah. And of course, 500 of them left, but it doesn't matter. We, <laughs> we, we got a 1,000 of them through, right. uh, goal met. You know, and if it was, of course, George W. Bush landing <laughs> on an aircraft carrier that said mission accomplished, yes. they would have ripped them apart in the media, but... This media will probably say, "Look what I, he did." I'm actually a little more optimistic that the media will will 
do the right scrutiny of this, and we'll we'll reveal the the um, uh, the uh, sleight of hand that uh, that could be played on this. I, I actually think they will be really digging into that. I hope they are. So we'll see. Well, because the streets won't be cleaner. Well, no. no. The 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 vacancy rates on office buildings will continue to right. grow. And uh, the crime is not going to get better. You come down here, obviously, every day. I, I come down here, what, every two or three weeks to II for a meeting or, or whatever. Um, and it's always an experience. I don't come downtown yeah. very often anymore. And it's always fun to see what I see. <laughs> <laughs> it's the finest. Well, and some of it's scary. I mean, uh, I, I know dri just driving down the street, you kind of when there's somebody standing right up against the lane of traffic, Mm -hmm. And you wonder, are they going to step in front of me? I, I mean, it, I I got to tell, it's kind of scary to drive down here. I know you feel that oh, way. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, that's interesting uh, to hear. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have gotten. Yeah, Dick, thanks for everything. Thank you, John. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations. 